This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Brazil's presidential election will go to a runoff after Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva, a leftist former president, won the first round on Sunday but failed to secure the majority he needed for an outright victory. Jair Bolsonaro, the populist right-wing incumbent, outperformed pollsters' expectations, taking 43% of the vote to Lula's 48%. The next round will take place on October 30th. Kwasi Kwarteng, Britain's chancellor, dropped his government's plan to abolish the 45% bracket for highest-earning taxpayers. Both he and the new prime minister, Liz Truss, had spent the weekend insisting they would not buckle under the fierce protestation of senior conservatives and the markets, and would ride out gory opinion polls. The pound bounced a bit, to around $1.13. The OPEC Plus cartel of oil-producing nations is planning to announce huge cuts in production in order to push up oil prices, according to several reports. The group will reportedly agree to pump one million fewer barrels a day when it meets on Wednesday. The price of Brent crude, a benchmark, has fallen markedly in recent months, from over $120 per barrel in June to under $90 today. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, confirmed that his country's troops had retaken two small settlements in the southern region of Kherson, as well as full control of Liman, a key logistics hub in Donetsk. Ukrainian officials say its recapture will allow the army to advance further into the Luhansk region. Meanwhile, Pope Francis called on Vladimir Putin to end the spiral of violence and death that might ultimately lead to nuclear escalation. Svante Pabo, a Swedish geneticist, won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences announced. The Nobel Committee said that Mr. Pabo won the prize, worth 10 million Swedish kroner, equivalent to $895,000, for his discoveries concerning the genomes of extinct hominids and human evolution. The death toll from Hurricane Ian continues to rise. Nearly 80 people died in Florida, while four deaths have been reported in North Carolina. Thousands of Americans remain without power. Rescue operations in some coastal communities are ongoing. President Joe Biden will visit Puerto Rico and Florida this week to survey the damage there. Asia's manufacturing activity waned as China's slowdown and soaring raw material costs put economies under pressure. Factory outputs declined in Taiwan and Malaysia last month, according to survey data, while other countries recorded slow growth. Japan's Purchasing Managers Index recorded its lowest growth rate since January 2021, falling to 50.8 in September compared with 51.5 in August. And fact of the day. 100. The number of anti-mobilization protests in Russia between September 21st and 26th. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Ukrainian answer to annexation. 
The people of Donetsk are becoming our citizens forever, boasted Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, as he annexed large chunks of Ukraine on Friday. A day later, Ukraine's army exposed the hollowness of that claim by recapturing a key city in the province. Liman was fully cleared of Russian troops shortly after midday on Sunday, said Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, in a video message. Russia, naturally, refused to acknowledge the retreat, describing it euphemistically as a move to, quote, more advantageous positions. Its troops are thought to be establishing a new defensive line in the east, running from Troyetska in the north to Svatove in the south. Despite Mr. Putin's threats to use nuclear weapons to protect Russian territory, including the newly annexed provinces, Ukraine's army shows no sign of stopping its advance. Its next target may be Kremina, a town which lies 17 miles, 30 kilometers, east of Liman. There were more Ukrainian flags in the Donbass this week, noted Mr. Zelensky. There will be even more next week. Liz Truss's Party Conference from Hell The Conservative Party's annual conference begins in earnest on Monday. It ought to have been a victory lap for Liz Truss, who was elected the new leader barely a month ago. Instead, Britain's Prime Minister is engulfed in recriminations after a bungled mini-budget spooked investors. The party's popularity has consequently imploded. A succession of polls show that the opposition Labour Party has opened leads in excess of 20 points over the Tories. Ms. Truss's disapproval rating is worse even than her predecessor Boris Johnson at his lowest, according to Opinion, a pollster. Dismay over Ms. Truss's mini-budget surfaced again on Sunday. Michael Gove, a veteran former minister, declared her tax cuts for high earners risky and, quote, a display of the wrong values. Far from a dynamic fresh start, Ms. Truss's premiership looks like a continuation of the gridlock and infighting that has characterized all Tory governments in Britain since the Brexit vote of 2016. The Supreme Court back in action. On Monday, America's justices, including a new jurist, Katanji Brown Jackson, returned to the bench. The term ahead could be as seismic as the last, when the Supreme Court revolutionized the law on guns, religion, environmental regulation, and, most notoriously, abortion. The first oral argument, a dispute over the reach of the Clean Water Act, pits a couple wanting to build a home near a lake in Idaho against the Environmental Protection Agency. Other cases will touch on flashpoints in American politics. On Tuesday, the court asks whether Alabama's congressional map, which two lower courts found to be racially discriminatory, violates Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. On October 31st, the court reconsiders its 44-year-old precedent permitting the consideration of race in university admissions. And later in the autumn, state constitutional limits on partisan gerrymandering will be on the chopping block. And a website designer will argue she has a free speech right, Colorado's anti-discrimination law notwithstanding, to make websites for straight but not gay weddings. Nothing too controversial then. Japanese Politics and the Ghost of Abe Shinzo 
the ghost of Abe Shinzo continues to haunt his successor's government. Last week's state funeral for the slain former prime minister was unpopular owing to Abe's controversial legacy, including his attempts to revise the pacifist constitution. Kishida Fumio's approval ratings sagged the longer he defended it. On Monday, Mr. Kishida faces another ruckus, an extraordinary parliamentary session during which the opposition will probe the ruling Liberal Democratic Party's links with the Unification Church, a cult-like religious group. Abe's assassination uncovered links between the LDP and the church, to which Abe himself was connected. The killer's mother had joined the church, donating large sums of money until his family went bankrupt. An internal survey conducted by the LDP in late August revealed that nearly half of its 379 lawmakers had links to the church, from receiving campaign support to attending its events. For Mr. Kishida's part, he will try to use the session to refocus attention on his signature new capitalism agenda. Building the Human Placenta on a Microchip The placenta bonds mother and baby and exists only in gestation. The temporary organ gives the fetus nutrition and oxygen while shielding it from infection, but it can also play a role in infants' deaths. Placental malaria, for instance, kills 200,000 newborns and 10,000 mothers annually by clogging up placental blood vessels. To better understand this pathology, researchers have developed the placenta on a chip, described in the mid-September issue of the journal Scientific Reports. They cultured placental cells and umbilical cord cells on opposite ends of a microchip to resemble the placental interface. Then they incubated the chip, rocking it gently to push malaria-infected blood through it in both directions. Tests revealed that the flow of glucose was inhibited in the same way that would be expected in a real placenta. While not a perfect substitute, chips like this one could finally reveal the mysteries of the placenta and protect it from diseases and harmful drugs, just as it protected each of us. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which device for protecting buildings is generally held to have been invented by Benjamin Franklin? Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Morris, who died on this day in 1896. Have nothing in your houses that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.